Hello, hello, and welcome to this latest episode of the Snapchat Podcast. I'm your host, Jaron Main. I should start by apologising for the poor acoustics of this room. I promise you I am not recording this from a cave. Also, thanks for all the feedback over the last few months and the people that came up to speak to me at the SAP user group. I do really appreciate it. Now, my guest on this episode is Mike Trevor, who we met at a drinks party in that period between Christmas and the New Year. And we got chatting about virtualization. And I don't know if that says more about us or the party. Now, Mike is the Alliance's director for leading virtualization specialist, Cutter Group. Cutter was established in 2005 by Mike's brother, Andy, and has now built up an enviable global reputation as experts in the design, implementation and support of technologies of the software-defined data center. As one of Cutter's few non-technical specialists, he has the best job in the company, flying around the world, shaking hands and drinking tea. And I hasten to add, those are his words, not mine. Mike manages Cutter's relationships and strategic partnerships with vendors, distributors and partners, enabling the clever people in the organisation to work their magic throughout the EMEA region. And he also looks after the behind-the-scenes areas of HR, governance and marketing. A latecomer to the world of IT, Mike joined the technology industry after 20 years in financial services regulation. With experience in a diverse range of organisations, both large and small, and experience consulting overseas, Mike left his position as a senior manager in the regulatory practice of consulting firm Grant Thornton to join Cutter in 2008. Mike brought a different perspective to an organisation full of technology experts, helping to internationalise the business, including setting up a subsidiary business in Cyprus, and establish a business model of partnerships and collaboration where Cutter provides professional services to an extensive range of technology businesses in now nearly 30 countries. Away from the cut and thrust of technology world, Mike is a keen horseman, cat dad, cook, karateka, and confirmed helenophile. So, Mike, welcome to the podcast. It feels very surreal. To, it, uh, it does feel a bit surreal, but thank you very much for having me. It's, uh, it's strange for us to be sat meeting without glasses in our hands for a change. <laughs> well, that can be remedied a bit later. Awesome. Um, so, Mike, uh, as I said uh, in the intro, you and I met um, at a drinks party. We started talking about virtualization. We um, did. I think that probably, to be fair to Anne and her party, says more about us than it does uh, her yeah, excellent hosting skills. Absolutely. Um, but before we go into that, really interested in your journey, because it, it is an unusual journey mm. from sort of uh, finance sector governance yep. into the world of IT. So how, how did all that come about? Yeah, it was a happy accident, I guess. Um, I'd spent 20 years in financial services regulation, Um in retail, not wholesale, so you can't blame me for the 2008 crash. That wasn't mine. Um, but I'd been in industry working for large companies, smaller companies, sort of people like Banco Santander, Lloyd's TSB. I'd also had some periods consulting and working for some specialist firms, including abroad as well. I'd done some consulting and large uh, transformation projects in South Africa, which um, kind of gave me excellent perspective about you know business life and all of those kind of things. Um, but not directly technology-related, of course. Right. In that industry, you're exposed to technology on a daily basis. So I was very familiar as a user. Um, and obviously, with some of the projects I was involved in, I was part of the procurement teams. So uh, on the other side of the fence, looking at solutions um, and... Uh, dreaded assistant. procurement teams we all yeah, love. Yeah, absolutely right. And so kind of being the gatekeeper in some ways mm. uh, and also having to listen to people's crap telling me that their stuff's better than everyone else's and everybody then comes really? and says the same <laughs> thing. Yeah. So, so it did give me a really interesting uh, kind of perspective. But um, sort of later in it and how I fell into it, I was a, a senior manager consultant in the regulatory practice of Grant Thornton. Um, and I'd then sort of 
having conversations with my brother, who is the managing director of Cutter Group, mm. um, business he'd set up when he stopped flying helicopters for the army. So he'd had a strange transition oh, wow, into okay. technology yeah. as well. <laughs> Runs in the family. Yeah, it does a bit. Um, but he'd, he'd um, developed the company and its operating model and, and was doing really, really well with it. But um, he'd got to a point where he wanted to take it to the next level. And him and the team at the time were very, very good technicians, really understand technologies and solutions, but didn't necessarily have quite the exposure in, in a business context and growth, right. and particularly on the international side. So he said to me, um, how do you fancy doing something a bit different? Why don't you come and consult for me for a bit? Uh, and, you know, I, I was open to something new, yep. um, sick of being on a train going out to London all the time, mm-hmm. uh, and had the opportunity to, to do a bit of work with Andy. And, um, you know, 12 years later... Here I am, part of the fixtures and fixtures. I took the king shilling uh, and I'm now part of the furniture with Cutter. I think for me, it, it gave me something different, you know, change of industry after 20 years, which was, was great. Mm. Um, um, but also the fresh perspective. Yep. I'm not a techie. I'm not um, technology oriented. You know, things with lights and bells and whistles and things don't particularly interest me. What interests me about technology is how it transforms businesses, mm. operating models, opportunities and competitiveness um and some of the things that the cutter was doing um were, were really really good really really innovative um it was changing the way that computing is being delivered and creating flexibilities and, and i really got into that and uh, and on the alliances side where a lot of my work lands i'm out there talking to people about the services that we can offer them to help businesses transform um so yeah it, it's kept me busy it's kept me very interested it keeps me uh, keeps me on enough aircraft for me, but not too many that it, it becomes an absolute grind. Yeah. Um, so I've got lots and lots of variety, not just the sort of the day to day things that you'd expect in, in um, alliance relationship management, but also I look after a lot of the governance side of it from my background. So, you know, things like the, the HR governance strategy and stuff like that. Yep. And then also kind of marketing the, the kind of connectivity with the outside world. So, yeah, what it's done is it, it's landed me by a very happy accident into an environment which, um, yeah, keeps me busy and entertained. Well, it's interesting because so many guests on the show will, will always say that they they kind of started off life in a completely different sphere and, yeah. and moved into it. And, and it's not that unusual. Um, no, uh, as Tom Jones said, he wouldn't have done a song about it you know, if it wasn't true. Um, but it is. And, and I guess for me, it's about taking the opportunities, isn't it? I never planned to be in financial services. I was in there mm-hmm. for 20 years and, and did very well and enjoyed it and did some cracking stuff and met some great people. Um, I never planned to be in technology. I've been in it 12 years or so like that. Mm-hmm. And I'm having a whale of a time again, whatever the next opportunity is. Yep. You know, it might be a vineyard. Who knows? I don't know. I started off life in, uh, in retail banking for NatWest and then fell into SAP, the mid 90s, year 2000 bug. So I'm, not, I'm showing my age now. But. We're not too dissimilar in that. No, so no, no, services really. background yeah, into yeah, technology, yeah. maybe just different angles. So, so um, I think when we were, and I'm, I am trying to remember now over <laughs> over our, 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 our drinks party, but um, I think the elephant in the room when I was talking to you about, you know, virtualization and everything, it's, it's, isn't the world gone to cloud? And that's where we kind of really had that, 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 mm. that interesting conversation because it's not, is it? No, it, it, it's not. Uh, it's what everybody talks about. Mm. Even now, the, the, the rush to the cloud is still happening. Um, there's no doubt that cloud does play a significant part in solutions these days, and mm. quite rightly so. But the idea that everything should be in the cloud and cloud is the panacea of all ills mm. is is not right for us. And um, our experience is that 
people have gone rushing off into the cloud without giving it enough thought, um, kind of come back with a tail between their legs in some ways or or find that bits of what they've done need to come back. Yeah. Um, or we're approached a lot to talk about, I want to go to the cloud. And we sit down and we analyse and we understand what they're trying to achieve. And then we tell them, no, don't go off into the cloud because mm. of these reasons. However, there's equally um, a large number of um, people that we talk to that actually do need and can utilise the advantages that cloud environments, infrastructures, desktop, whatever they're trying to put in the cloud, can offer some real advantages. But I think, for me, the the real key is do it eyes open and with a strategy. Don't just think, ah, cloud's great. A number of people that go, ah, we want a cloud solution. Mm. And you ask them, what do you think a cloud solution is? And they go, well, I don't really know, but I'm supposed to have one, aren't I? And they think, oh, okay. And we do a lot of work internationally. I mean, uh, we do lots of work in the Middle East and... Uh, it's a it's a dynamic and exciting environment in the Middle East, but there's very much a somebody's gone to the cloud and then therefore everyone else needs to go to the cloud yeah. without actually thinking, well, what does it do for me? So spending that time and having that analysis to go, okay, does cloud work? What aspects of, of cloud work? Why are you doing it? These things need to be gone through before you start um, looking at your cumulus nimbus or whatever you need to, to look at. Yeah, and I often think it's it's the foundation to the house, isn't it? And 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 what's right for one isn't necessarily right for another. But so many times, and this just doesn't apply to infrastructure, but so many times you'll see customers, organisations moving in a direction, but they don't quite know the reason why, yeah. and they don't have it really clearly thought out, and then suddenly start to grind into a, a, a kind of problem. And I'm reminded of a, a George Harrison lyric, um, which said, uh, if you don't know where you're going, any road will take you there. And I, I kind of keep coming back to that because yeah. it just feels like, well, you know, what, what, what is what what is it you're trying to achieve? It's exactly that. And, and, and actually, technology is the enabler. To your point earlier on, it's it's not, you know, yes, it's all shiny and we can all get excited by it, but actually, unless it's unless it's enabling you to do something yep. you couldn't do before, overcome a business challenge, yep. then really it's not worth the paper itself. Uh, that's it. You know, on the tail wagging the dog, I mean, the... The, the classic thing in is is that um, vendors have a hard time these days in selling their product solution however they want to package it up because every vendor goes and sits in front of a customer and tells them that their thing is the thing that they need. Mm. Um, and, you know, they can't all be right. So taking it away from solution, whether it be hardware, software, it is, it's not about the technology. It's about, as you say, solving business problems. Tell me, tell me about your problems. Sit them down on a couch, ask them about their relationship with their mother and find out where their problems are. Then you can start to solutionize with relevant technologies or steer them away from some technologies in some cases to, to achieve what they want. It's got to be about them and it's got to be customer-led. Mm. Uh, and this is where I think um, you know, a lot of the move in the industry across you know, multiple different strands of it is move very definitely towards solution engagement rather than product selling people are sick of being sold to mm. our customers absolutely hate it um, mm. because we're not aligned to any particular vendors and we, we, we don't sell we have no sales forces nobody sells in our business really no not a single man okay uh, or indeed woman as mm. we are we do have both but um of course everyone sells everyone's an advocate for what we do and the solutions that we promote but nobody's got a number nobody's got a target nobody has to go and say i need to sell this this month and and that frees us uh, and our customers love it because they're they're listened to we talk about their problems their challenges and ways we can solve it and a lot of the time we're, we're talking to customers and telling them don't do things don't mm. buy stuff don't invest mm. particularly around cloud it's a big one because 
cloud can very often carry some significant costs and you know the shiny attraction of cloud might be great and things but are you prepared to pay the money that it actually is going to cost you to get there is it really going to deliver that value yeah and and I, and I think um the interesting thing is uh, you know we were chatting that you know we've seen SAP with their rise announcement that's all about you know the the, the march to the cloud and, and the cloud platform and undoubtedly you know it it works for some customers yep. it doesn't work for all customers but the the notion that you were talking to me about which, which I remember was you know the number of clients that are are moving you know their their business away from the cloud back not necessarily because it's the wrong thing but just no. because they went into it without kind of thinking it through in the right strategy. Yeah, they'd, they'd been sold to a lot of the time. Mm. Um, and, and that's not just by vendors, that you know, by intermediaries and consultancies and, uh, you know, professional services companies had sold mm. them, oh, this is a great thing. Well, they sell them that because there's a reason to it. And you think about, you know, uh, any company promoting moving to a cloud for the idea of smoothing out their revenue stream. That's why they're doing it. Mm. Yes, it's going to deliver real value for some people, but it doesn't automatically make it right for them. It makes it right for the company trying to do it because they're looking for a much more predictable revenue stream. You've got to remember that is the driver. They yeah. want you to go to the cloud. They couldn't give two hoots about what that means to your business processes. They want a smoother revenue stream. They can guarantee that income annuitized. And and it's not just in technology world. If you think of it as a sociological change as well, mm. um, we as consumers are much more open to this idea of rental now. Completely. You, you go back 100 years, mm. you would always look for a quality product that would last as long as possible that could be repaired. Mm. We've moved to a very throwaway society uh, and consumerism uh, means that you just buy something that's good enough, throw it out and replace it again. Or now, and, and a great example I always think is is um, car finance and, yep. you know, yep. people don't want to buy a car and look after it and keep it on the road and that. They look after it so it retains the value. They chop it in in three years and get another new one. Yep. So there, there is a cultural element to it. Um, but I think first and foremost, you know, the idea of um, putting everything in the cloud, you know, I always remember people talking about, Photoshop, you know, yep. you can only get cloud license now. It's it's in the cloud yep. because it makes their revenue stream oh, completely the, the way that they want it. It's yep. not about your needs and what you want because yep. I know a lot of people that don't want that yep. solution, but that's what you're going to get because that suits them. So yep. uh, I don't want to be sound too cynical. Um, no, no. I mean, you know, uh, it's interesting as well when I talk to to my children who are sort of like in their early twenties and one's eighteen. Um, you know, the notion of owning a car, they're not particularly bought, by, bought into by owning a car in the way that I was at their age. Yeah. They're not interested in owning a CD collection or a music <laughs> collection. Uh, the fact that they've got it out there, you know, on Spotify or Apple Music or whatever platform, yeah. you know, at the touch of the hand, they've got access to it. That's good enough. And, and I think that's a great example because um, I don't use balloon payments and rental of cars in, in whatever form it is. I like to have a car and, mm. you know, try and look after it usually badly but um you know it's my car and when i want to move on i sell it and then buy another one um but i do consume music through spotify and don't have a single hard copy not mm. like your 78 collection Jeremy. <laughs> harsh i know but no i don't have that physical because that's for me that's not the right way of consumption i think it's a great example of um you know i'm more of a traditionalist consumer yep. in cars yeah i'm a modernist consumer in music yeah which brings us nicely to, to 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 the next point of the conversation that I'm trying to relive um, through my more lucid moments, I think, <laughs> which was that 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 issue about hybrid. Because I speak to lots of customers, particularly manufacturers, yeah. that will turn around and say, "Look, 
I can't possibly put my world completely into the cloud because I need um, to, for instance, uh, replicate MRP runs um, down to local sites yeah. where I'll have a server on-premise next to, you know, in the manufacturing plant. I, I know I'm not going to get any outage. There's no latency. Yeah. Um, and, and, and I can crack on and it's not worth the risk. And yeah. is that what you'll see? I mean, we've got a, a typical hybrid customer. Is that the kind of customer yeah. you talk to? It is exactly that. The hybrid solution is that uh, one usually that we work with that, that has a proper strategic vision or we've helped them develop a proper strategic vision around their IT um, put the right things in the cloud. You yep. know, Office 365, you can put your HR systems, your ERP, CRM type stuff, are very easy things to put into the cloud, and that's great, and they deliver real value on that. Business critical applications, um, you know, having applications next to the delivery mechanism. So, you know, if you want mobile desktops and things, you, you might need to look at virtualizing everything, but mm. make sure they're together at the delivery together. Don't separate them out. Um, you know, where there's crucial performance. Security is, a, is one yeah. you've mentioned there is a massive one, not just in hybrid, but cloud generally. Mm. You know, that stuff needs securing. And, and what people forget about cloud sometimes is that cloud is just somebody else's computer. Mm. Are you happy for your data? Uh, let alone any compliance issues around data location, mm. GDPR requirements, and, you know, data residency are, are really key issues that not everybody thinks about cloud because they think, well, where is cloud? Mm. Who's got access to that data? And I think it's interesting, we are seeing, uh, I'm seeing a shift in some of the organisations, SAP being one of them, in terms of having to offer uh, more localised data centres to get over the, the GDPR issues yeah. particularly, and, and others. Yeah, definitely. And and I think, you know, for, for businesses that are multi-sited, multi-jurisdictional, I think having a smart approach to actually what does that look like? It's not a, oh, we're, we're either going to be hybrid, we're going to be cloud, we're going to be, actually, no, you need to take a real look. And we, we work with a number of multi-jurisdictional, multinational companies where all of these things need to be fed into that strategy of, okay, so what does the base infrastructure look like? Right. Where does it need to be located? What form does it take? And and hybrid, uh, you know, we, we've seen a massive rise in that because there are real benefits from some cloud-based solutions mm. but very rarely is the right answer chuck it all in the cloud yeah. rarely sometimes but rarely so you know if we if we accept that you know there'll be some organizations that that you know it's right and proper they go into the cloud there are other organizations and quite a lot of them that will need some form of hybrid mm. what's the, what, what are the challenges that you see in kind of trying to manage those environments um manage from a from a perspective of management um from a customer perspective if you've got anything on-prem, you just by its nature, you're going to need more skills for the management and maintenance of the base platform than you right. are if you throw it into the cloud, where it's, that bit's looked after for you. Um, now, you can do that you know, on public hyperscalers, in which case it's all taken away from, from you, and you, your skill base internally can be lower. Mm-hmm. Um, if you have it entirely on-prem, you either need in-house expertise or you buy in expertise, somebody like us, that mm. can you know, design and, and keep it going for you so there is a resource challenge around that i think some of the drivers around um you know those security requirements some people are very fast and loose with where that data may be and it's fine it's okay to do so they might not be dealing with you know business critical information things like that but i think that idea of if you have it on prem the challenges you have are very very different to those if you're thrown out to the public hyperscaler world um you need more skills 
Um, you do need to understand that invariably you're going to be looking at capex, not opex models. Mm. You've also got to understand that that needs refreshing. Yeah, you buy a truckload of servers and create your own data center. It's not going to run forever on those servers. They are going to need refreshing. So understanding the financial cycle that you need to go through, and there's nothing wrong with that. You know, everybody again, it's this idea of everybody running away from capex. Well, yeah, it's all the people with opex solutions that are telling you to do that. Yeah, um, you know, capex is fine. But understand that that's going to have a different set of needs. It's going to have a different financial model behind it, and it's going to have a different resourcing model behind it as well. It's not one is wrong and one is right. It's just they are different, and you must understand that before you start making your decisions. There's no point in not having the um, the expertise available, whether it be internal or connected external, um, and then think about you've got your own data center because you want security and you want um, surety of resourcing and control effective yep. that's what it comes down to because you've got resources no no good to man or beast um but simply throwing it into the cloud because it's somebody else's problem is not reality either it's your problem and particularly around data ownership you are responsible for that even if somebody else is looking after it and the idea of all the security and facets like identity management and all of these things need to be thought of you don't abdicate any responsibility by putting it into the cloud yeah, I think in the early days, a lot of uh, customers I was speaking to that were thinking of moving to the cloud had the assumption that its security was taken care of for them. No, you have all the security tools available, but it's up for you to configure them and 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 and, um, and maximize them. Yeah, and and, and I think um, really in terms of uh, the, the the kind of hybrid environments that we're talking about. I'm probably going to be slightly confrontational now and say that, you know, the assumption on my part is that that, that world, all, all of the virtualization, all of that is, is kind of tried and tested technology and it hasn't really moved on. It, it is, it's, it's pretty, pretty stayed, but actually speaking to you, that, that kind of, that's not really true, is it? You know, No, no, it's not. I mean, it's developed massively. The principle of virtualized computing is a very old one, you know, mm. green screen mainframes for the delivery of desktop from a central point you know it's just decades old but actually the technology has become a lot smarter both in the hardware and the software layer mm. the uh, idea of um, hyper converged system integrated systems now make um, make those solutions so much more powerful uh, and the you know the particularly around virtualizations and the technologies and capabilities that exist now are, are a thousand times greater so as a concept yes it's been around for a long time but the technology hasn't stood still. It's keeping pace with requirement um, and delivering real business opportunities. I think one of the things that's perhaps kept it as a bit sort of, oh, well, hasn't that been around and isn't it old hat now, is actually most people can't do it properly. And a lot of people have had bad experiences with it because yep. um, there's, uh, there's a lot of people out there that don't have the skills but do offer it to their customers. And, you know, they, they go into it get a bad experience and go, our oh, virtualization is crap. No, mm. virtualization is great if you haven't got somebody that's crap doing it. <laughs> and that's, that's the base. And the problem is it is a bit voodoo, mm-hmm. which is why we do get dragged around the world doing it. It's, it's right. something we're very specialist in. Yeah. And it does take that required, you know, specialist knowledge to be able to make it work properly. As a lot of people try it and fail, but unfortunately in the, in the, the market's mind and in customer's mind, it's the technology that's the failure. It's not the technology. It's the implementation, the design often. And, and the other aspect of it, which I, I had a number of uh, uh, situations whereby you could see that a CIO would suddenly get in a traditional environment, maybe an on-premise environment or a, a, a hosted environment, that you know suddenly they get a requirement that they hadn't considered a, a massive bill for archiving. Yeah, and it and it really isn't the fault of that that architecture. 
it's the fault of a strategy and a budget and yep. a, 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 you know to, to and a plan that's executed you know because it, it, it like i don't want any more surprises i'll put it into the cloud i'm paying one monthly fee or whatever it may be yep. and and it's all taken care of and i don't have any surprises but realistically that's kind of saying like i've got a car i own a car um, I just want to pay a garage. Well, you, yeah. you're paying a garage each month, but you're paying for all of those costs included. Yeah, yeah. The challenge if you've got your own car is, you know, the the, the, the analogy would be that you you don't bother to have it serviced and then wonder why it blew. Wonder up, why it blows up, you know, and exactly. then say, oh well, you know, it's better. You, you're still paying the money yeah. in a way. Yeah, yeah. And but it's it's that understanding. Yeah. Um, understand what you're doing, whichever route you go with with any technology. Um, th- there are surprises in that that cloud environment as well. It's usually cost. People yep. go, great, cloud, you walk through all of the advantages, disadvantages and challenges that cloud computing offers, that's great. And then you tell them how much it costs. Or if yep. they don't ask and they go down a route because they think it'll only cost that and their their use um, escalates and then they start wanting you know, reserve resources and things like this and the bill goes up and up and up. And all of a sudden, as you say, the CIO looks at it, he's got a different surprise. He's got, I didn't realise my bill was going to be this big. Yeah. Um, the other side, yes, it's understand that those servers will need refreshing, that you do need to have people who understand how to keep this stuff afloat, that there are the ancillary elements that spin around it about making sure that it stays nice and safe and secure and all these things. So it's about being eyes open. And that's where I I always think that um, engaging with experts to get the right solution is invaluable. Nobody can be expert in everything these days. Technology, as you well know, it's it's so wide, it's so deep now. But nobody can be expert to everything, which is why we stick to what we do and we we work in partnership with lots of others our model is collaborative so mm. we're very often part of an engagement with a customer 80 percent of what we do around the world is actually done on a partnership basis so we provide our bit of expertise into a wider solution mm-hmm. but it's crucial that our understanding of things outside of our expertise is is um connected because it is at the end of the day, a strategic project to do anything with IT. And if you just do it in that isolated environment saying, we only do this bit, we don't care what goes on, it's on a hiding to nothing. Because as you say, there's going to be surprises and things that come and bite you in the proverbial backside. So so one of the challenges, I guess, you know, I was, I was thinking about this, and I was thinking about DevOps and the rise of DevOps and how important it is to organisations, is, you know, they probably push back and say, well, you know, if, if I've got a, a traditional infrastructure, if I've got a, a hybrid environment, that doesn't make it easier for me to change in a way that I could in, in the cloud. But I think, is, is that really true? Um, not, not as a statement in isolation, no. Um, I think it can be. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think if you have a really good understanding of your business and your IT needs in support of things like DevOps, then you can then make an informed decision about whether okay, if you had it on-prem in your own data centre or in hosted data centre, um, you, what you don't want is thousands of pounds sat around doing nothing. Yep. So um, if you've only got spurious needs for this um, and in, on an infrequent basis, actually spinning it up in the cloud might be exactly the right thing for you. Mm. However, you may have different needs or regular needs for spinning up where you can spin up things in a cycle mm. in your own data center where you can use it for specific purposes, properly scheduled, properly managed. It can actually be repurposed and, you know, the idea of the virtual world as well, that you mm. can repurpose stuff, you can carve out resources to do other things in support of it uh, and retaining those elements of control. So it's about balancing those decisions. So, yeah, sporadic DevOps, you might spin up once a year and do nothing else outside of that, spin it up in the cloud, awesome. Mm. Um, you know, easy to spin up, easy to power down and walk away. That's great. If you're doing that every month on a regular basis, yeah, 
that cost mounts up, mm. and particularly you know if it's if it's business critical, that you're then reliant on the hyperscalers having enough resources to you. And of course, hyperscalers say, oh, we've got infinite resources and that's always been the big thing. Put it in the cloud, you never run out of data center space. Sorry, that's absolutely wrong. We had a customer um, in in the first wave of lockdown um, who is, I won't name them, but they are a, a critical infrastructure service in the UK, an energy company, who had um, cloud resources taken from them wow. um, because of the demand. Right. Um, and if you can have a crucial core national infrastructure company with resources being taken away, mm. that tells you that the resources are not infinite. And, you know, if you've got your own data center, you know what's in it and you yeah. know what access yeah. you've got to and you know when you can have it and for how long. If you're reliant on somebody else's computer, to a degree, you are going to be beholden to them saying, yes, that's okay, you can have it. And, yeah, it depends on what what you're trying to do depends on whether you're prepared to take that risk and put your fate in someone else's hands. If it's proper business critical, cloud would not necessarily be the first place I'd be looking. Mm. But it, again, it doesn't rule it out. It's that balanced view. Eyes open decision-making is absolutely crucial when you, you, you plan your strategy. Yeah, no, fun to it. I'm conscious of time, but in terms of, you know, what would be you, your advice, your, your key takeaways to anyone listening to this, looking at a kind of, a traditionally hosted or um, a, a a hybrid environment. What what were the kind of key messages? Don't start with should I be hybrid? Should I be cloud? Should I be you know solely on prem? Whatever. Start. What am I trying to achieve? Not just today, mm. but tomorrow as well, and going forward. And what the strategic plan is. Then I would always advocate it. Of course, I would. But engage with an expert yep. to walk through that process to give you another perspective. People who do understand that technology that can help you understand the decision-making process. Not necessarily who somebody's going to tell you, do this, do that, do the other. First important point is when you engage with somebody to help you with these things, is you must have somebody who listens to you yep. as a customer. The customer is king, and you've got to communicate what you're trying to achieve, what your values are, what your risks are, what your risk appetite is. Yep. Then you can solutionize from there. But it's that eyes open, so understand the implications of cloud, understand its costs, understand its risks, understand the workload that would need to go into it understand your workflow cycles do you really need that spin up spin down capability um how crucial is security to you um you know what is your financial model for for it can you bear uh, capex versus Mm. opex um you know because it can be savings there but you also have to invest if you're going to you know get solution to get something for old rope in in this um so yeah definitely 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 think before you act Take professional advice. Get somebody in that can sit alongside you and help you on that journey to guide you in the direction you think you might want to go because, as you say, you can end up wherever you think you might want to go. Is it the right place? Is it the the sunlit uplands that we all dream of? Sometimes it's not. And the interesting thing is, Mike, that uh, I had a conversation uh, with a client about ERP and upgrading to S4HANA and a lot of things you've just been talking about, the actual physical and, uh, and and virtual environment applies to the move to to an upgrade to S4. It's, you know, you need to have a plan in place, but you need to understand what are the purposes behind it. Yeah, absolutely. Start with your objectives. What are you trying to achieve? What does it mean to you? Then the technology comes later. Mike, it's been a pleasure, as Likewise. always. And uh, thank you for your time. I really do appreciate it. No, it's been an absolute pleasure for me too. I hope we get an opportunity to do it again. I'm sure we will. Thanks Thanks very much. Take care. Cheers. Uh